In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, early on in seminary for me, you know seminary is filled with studies and formation and service and all kinds of things to prepare one for the priesthood. Very early on when I was studying theology, at some point I started studying the nature of grace, the grace of God. What is the grace of God? How does it interact with our lives? And so on and so forth. Well, I didn't think much of it before I started studying it. Before I started studying it, I thought about it probably the way everybody thinks about grace, which is kind of like a magical thing, like a magical force or something like that, that just kind of rains down from heaven when we ask for it and it does various things on command or something like that. I didn't really have a clear picture about what it was. But as I started studying it, I started to realize that the grace of God is the very power of the Holy Spirit that enters into the world, enters into things, and enters into persons and transforms them. It's a very real, concrete thing. It's not magic. It's not just spiritual. It's not just nice. It's an actual, active thing in our lives. And it's a harming thing, in a sense. It harms us in the way that it changes us, because change is harmful. Change is painful in that way. It doesn't harm us to make us unhealthy. It harms us in a healthy manner. But it's very concrete. It's very real. It's the grace of God that changes and transforms things from one thing to the other, almost and oftentimes in miraculous ways. The whole world is built on the grace of God. God, from nothing, changed nothing into something nothing into this entire universe that we see now. That's the work, that's the grace of God. Christ in the wedding at Cana takes water and he changes it into wine. That's the power of grace, taking something ordinary and plain and bland, water, and changing it, transforming it into something sweet and something good, something festive, something that the book of Psalms says causes great joy. In the, heart of, in the heart of man. In the gospel reading today, we see something very similar. The grace of God is working in Christ, and he takes something small and makes it something great. Some, he takes a few pieces of bread, and he takes that and he transforms it into something so great that it feeds a multitude. 4,000 men besides women and children, thousands and thousands of people. This is what the grace of God does, and this is the essence of the gospel, that Jesus came to announce the fact that in him now who has entered the world, God who has entered the world by becoming one of us, now grace is active in this world. Now in this world, right now, is the time for change. This is why Jesus says the very first word, and I've said this in plenty of my homilies, the very first word of Jesus' ministry in Greek, it's written originally in Greek, metanoiete, which means change your mind, have a change of heart, change the way you think because things are changing now. The kingdom of God has just crashed into this world and now everything is being flipped upside down and it's gonna change everything. You should be a part of that. You're invited to be a part of that. This gospel reading points to another type of change which is particularly important for us. In this gospel reading, which the story 
of the feeding of the multitude is in all four of the Gospels. Very few stories are in all four of the Gospels. This one is so important that it's in all four of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Look at the verbs that are used when Jesus takes the bread. People are hungry, and Jesus says, I don't want to leave them hungry. I don't want them to faint. They're following me, and I have compassion on them. I want to feed them. And the disciples say, well, how, how, how are you possibly going to do that? There's thousands of people. How are you going to possibly going to get enough food to do that? And Jesus says, okay, give me, the, give me the bread that you have. He took the loaves, gave thanks, gave them to the disciples. I'm sorry, he took the loaves, gave thanks, broke them, and gave them to the disciples. That's four verbs. He took gave thanks, broke, and gave it to the disciples. We see this, you'll recognize it, when Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to the disciples and he said, this is my body, which is given up for you. Jesus does exactly the same thing in the Last Supper. The gospel is trying to tell us this story here is a foreshadow of what Jesus is going to do in a fuller version there at the Last Supper. This story points to the Last Supper where at the Last Supper, Jesus, through his disciples, takes the entire world who is hungry for God, hungry for eternal life, hungry for the grace, for the transforming grace of God, hungry, and Jesus says, I'm going to take bread, and I'm going to multiply it, not just multiply it, but I'm going to transform it. I'm going to transform it now into my body, and I'm going to give it to everybody, because now the world will feed on my body. Now my, my, my faithful, my baptized Those who follow me will feed on my body, and that body is going to be spread throughout the entire world for everybody to feed on, for everybody to consume. So that through it, we also, like the water at the wedding of Cana, like the bread in the gospel reading here, like the nothingness before the creation of the world, we also will be transformed. But what are we going to be transformed into? There's a common objection to the Eucharist, the Qurbana which is exactly what I'm talking about. And it goes from the early church, and it's a modern objection too by Protestants mostly, that says, well, it wouldn't make sense that Jesus gives us his body to eat because whenever we, biology shows us, whenever we eat something, it becomes a part of us. It takes on our form. It changes into us, and it doesn't seem appropriate to say that we eat Jesus's body and blood in the Eucharist and that Jesus changes into us. We're not supposed to be changed. Jesus is not supposed to change into us. It's supposed to be the other way around. Well, Augustine, St. Augustine from the early church, fourth century, he addressed this problem when he said, yeah, that's true, but the Eucharist is not something that changes into us. It is the power of God and we change into it. We change into the Eucharist. We change into Christ. We become the body of Christ when we eat the Eucharist. It's not that it changes us. It changes into us. It's not that our body changes it. It's that his body changes us. Not that we consume Christ, but that Christ, in a sense, consumes us. Brothers and sisters, this is why the Eucharist, the doctrine of the Eucharist in the Catholic Church is so essential and that the Second Vatican Council said that the Eucharist, the Qurbana, is the source and the summit 
of the Christian life. It is the foundation, the basis of the Christian life, and it is the height of the Christian life. It is all important. It is the most important thing that we can do in this life is receive, commune with, and adore Christ in the Eucharist. It is, in fact, heaven on earth. It's a, a foreshadow of heaven on earth. The Eucharist is exactly that. Because in heaven, we're going to be doing nothing other than possessing God and being possessed by God. We'll be doing nothing other than rejoicing in God and being rejoiced in by God, communing with God, being one with Him. That is already given to us now in the Qurbana. All the sacraments lead to the Qurbana. All of the Christian life lead to the Qurbana. All of the prayers leads us up to the Qurbana. The Qurbana is the climax of the Christian life. So this is why when people tell me, they, they'll say, yeah, I don't go to Mass on Sundays because I pray at home, benu ben alaha, you know, between me and my God, and, and that's enough for me. I'm satisfied with that. I read the Bible, I do these things. And I say, great, read the Bible, ben ben alaha, pray to God, say your sins to God, do all those things. But if you don't, if you do it without the qurbana, you're missing the whole point of it all. You're missing the source and you're missing the summit. You're missing it all. God, grace is not just this magical thing that floats in the air and just exists in the clouds or in this spiritual life. Spiritual life is concrete. It's in front of us. It's inside of us. And the spiritual life is heightened in the Eucharist that Jesus, in a very concrete way, wants us to consume. In the Gospel of John, when this story is given, this is in John 6, when this story is given, right afterwards, the next day, Jesus goes to the other side of the sea, and the people, they go and they follow him. And they say, oh, we've been looking for you. Where, you've, where have you been? We thought that you were going to come, uh, come over there. And Jesus says, yeah, you're looking for me because you, you had your fill of the, of the bread yesterday. He says, don't seek for food which is temporary and which passes along. Don't seek just for food which is going to satisfy your stomach. Seek for the food which gives you eternal life. And then he goes to talk about his flesh. I am the bread that comes down from heaven. Whoever eats me has eternal life. This is John 6. And Jesus, in, in saying that, is telling us all of the stuff this world is perfectly good and fine, but if we're missing the point, then we're missing it all. Seek the Eucharist, seek the Qurbana, and seek union in the Qurbana. Brothers and sisters, this is why, again, the Eucharist deserves all reverence and all honor and all glory. It is our life. When we come up to receive the Eucharist, let us do it with the greatest of reverence. In our liturgy, we say, Kulan qara nukra wal raza. And uh, let us all, in fear and in trembling, approach the mystery of the Eucharist. The liturgy tells us that this is such a great thing that in other parts of the liturgy, the, 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 the liturgy tells us that even the angels have to cover their faces when the Eucharist is out. That's how amazing this, this is. So let us have that Eucharistic devotion, that Eucharistic faith, and that Eucharistic love so that when we receive Jesus, we understand that Jesus is giving himself to us to transform us, but to transform us into what? Into himself. 
into the Son of God, into sons and daughters of God, into citizens of the kingdom of heaven and its inheritors, into people that are more than human and that get to participate in the divine life already here. When we live in the Eucharist, we are already living in heaven. Amen.